No, harmony is different than balance. It's more than semantics. You look at the graphic for harmony, the yin and the yang, even the yin and the yang are out of balance if you separate them. But together they create harmony. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an extraordinary guest that I'm honored to share with you today. His name is Dr. Ivan Meisner, and he is the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization. Founded in 1985, the organization now has over 10,000 chapters throughout every populated content of the world. Last year alone, BNI generated 11.5 million referrals, resulting in $16.3 billion worth of business for its members. Called the father of networking by both Forbes and CNN, Dr. Ivan is considered to be one of the world's leading experts on business networking, has been a keynote speaker for major corporations and associations throughout the world. He's also been featured in the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, as well as numerous TV and radio shows, including CNN, the BBC, the Today Show, and others. There's so many great things we're going to get into. Ivan, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is fantastic to have you on the show with us today. Dr. Richard, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we're going to have a lot of fun. And I really want to start with, because you've accomplished so many things, you've made a difference in so many different ways. But I want to peel back the onion a little bit here and discover your kind of superhero origin story. Did you pop out of the womb and say, you know, I, I want to be a networker? What was kind of the evolution that got you on the path that you are on today? So, I mean, how far back do you want to go? Do you want to go to what got me started with BNI, or do you want to go back further? So, I, I'd like to know. I mean, were you drawn to entrepreneurship? Were you were you always drawn to to networking people? Like, what was that spark? Yeah, I, you know, I think the real spark for me, if you go way back, it would be in high school, where I, um, I actually even junior high, where I had run for student council two years in a row, and I got I got decimated. I, I mean, I didn't just lose, I was like last. And I was a freshman in high school and they were picking the student council representative for the freshman year in a history class. And I was like, I'm not gonna do that again. That was so embarrassing, uh, I'm not gonna run. And the teacher said, okay, we're picking the student council representative, nominate somebody, go ahead and nominate. No, nobody spoke up. And he said, uh, well, you can nominate yourself. And I'm thinking, I'm not gonna do that again. I'm not going to nominate myself. And we even had somebody, Dr. Richard, that goes, uh, her name was Cindy. I'll never forget. She said, she said, Mr. Romero, I'm just so busy with cheerleading. I don't have time to be on the student council. And I remember Romero going, 
uh, okay, thanks for not volunteering, Cindy, I appreciate it. And um, <clears throat> he said, well, look, if, if no one's going to pick someone, I get to pick. Are you okay with that? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, pick anyone you want, we don't care. And he looked around the room and he looked at me. And to this day, I'd only been in the class for two weeks. I have no idea why. He looked at me and he said, Ivan, I bet you'd like to do this, wouldn't you? And I was like, well, yeah, Mr. Romero, I, I would. And he said, okay, uh, Ivan is the student council representative. And I swear to you, the entire class goes, oh no, not <laughs> Ivan, anybody but Ivan. Even Cynthia stood up and said, oh, well, if you're gonna pick Ivan now, then I'll do the student council <laughs> representative. And I remember, I remember sitting there thinking, God, you guys, do you, I, do you see me sitting here? I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting right here. And you know, I was 13 years old. You don't have a crystal ball. You can't see that you're going to be a New York Times bestselling author, that you're going to write 26 books, that you're gonna start a global company, that you're gonna be a keynote speaker. You just see that moment. And I was, I was just so hurt. And Romero didn't back down. He said, nope, you gave me the power. I pick Ivan, he's your student council representative. Let's open our books and turn to chapter one, page 32 and move on. And I remember thinking at that moment, two things. One, I'm not gonna let him down. I am going to do my best so that he doesn't regret that choice. And two, I want to turn people's minds around about me by pouring into them. And that's really my why, is that I decided at that point that if I poured into them, if I showed them what I was capable of doing by helping that class achieve the things that they felt they wanted, that I will have done a good job. And at the end of that year, the freshman year, you pick your freshman, but at the end of the freshman year, you pick for the sophomore. And the end of the sophomore, you pick for the junior. And at the end of that year, that same class, Dr. Richards had said, oh no, not Ivan, voted for me to be the sophomore class representative the next year. And I was in student council every year thereafter. And so it was a, it was a turning point for me in learning that I could be a leader and learning that the best way to be a leader is to pour into people and to help people. And that when you do that, great things happen. And that was my, probably my earliest why moment as to you know, why I kind of do what I do now. Now it's about pouring into people to help them build their business through referrals, which is what BNI is. That story is so wild to me. And I equate it to Michael Jordan you know, not making his eighth grade basketball team. I mean, it's just so bananas. So. You got the bug. You, you didn't let Dr. or uh, Dr. Mr. Ramiro down. You did a great job. You're pouring yourself into people. And I want to talk about when and why you decided then to start BNI. Yeah. Well, I'd like to tell you I had this vision of an international organization, but the truth is I needed referrals for my consulting business and I wanted to help my friends. So it came back again to pouring into people, but it was it was much more you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I needed referrals. I knew my friend needed, friends needed referrals. And we put together this group and we only allowed from the very beginning, one person per profession. And someone came to me after just three months and said, hey, this is really great. I could get a ton of business, but my profession's represented. Would you help me open up a second group? And I actually said no to her. I said, this, 
this isn't what I do. I'm a business consultant. And she said, well, this is kind of consulting. You know, you're helping me build my business. I'm like, yeah, it's a stretch, but okay. I, I said, yes, because, you know, again, she needed help. I was willing to help. And wow, I had no idea what a chord I struck in the business community. That first year, we opened 20 groups without, without trying. I opened 20 groups because people kept saying, would you help me open a group? Would you help me open a group? And it was at that point that I sat down and I've done this for the last 40 years between Christmas and New Year's. I sit down for a few days and reflect. I look back, how, how did that year go to my plan? And that year was like, wow, that, where did this come from? And then I look at ahead. Where do I want to be next year? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And that's when I realized we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. We don't teach networking, social capital, emotional intelligence. And I thought this could really be way bigger and it could help way more people than I can as a consultant because I can only help, you know, it's all billable hours. How, many, how much time do you have? But with something like a network, you leverage your efforts. And I thought, wow, I could really leverage my efforts. And now we have 10,186 groups in more than 70 countries around the world. And I am so glad that at about a year into it, I, I got the vision that this could be way, way bigger. As a matter of fact, in 1986, one last little thing. In 1986, June of 86, so B and I had been running for 18 months. I went to the library to do some calculations. Now, this is back before Monsieur Google. So, you know, you, you, you couldn't just look stuff up on Google. I actually went to a library, got books to try and figure out how many chapters would it be possible to have someday. And I calculated that we could possibly have 10,000 chapters. And I remember telling a friend of mine, you know, I think B and I could someday have 10,000 chapters. And he said to me, and how many chapters do you have now? I said, well, 30. He said, you have 30 groups and you think you could have 10,000? I'm like, yeah, actually, I think we can. And December of last year, we crossed the 10,000 chapter mark. So having a big vision, a plan makes all the difference in the world. I love that. And, you know, there are so many, so many different things within that we could talk about. But I really wanted to spend some time talking about your most recent book, Who's in the Room? Because I think it's so important, and particularly in that you know, the economy has shifted, the world has shifted, business has shifted in so many ways because of COVID-19. And so your network is so much more valuable than it ever was. So let's talk about the tenets of that book, and, and let's spend some, some time there taking a deep dive, because I think that's so valuable. Yeah, I love this book. It's my first self-help book. It was a bestseller on Amazon. Here's the concept. Imagine you live your life in one room. And that one room has only one door. And that one door is an enter-only door. So that when people come into your room or into your life, they're there forever. You can never get them out. Now, luckily, it's a metaphor. But if it were true, Dr. Richard, if it were true, would you be more selective about the people that you let into your life? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's what everybody says. And I would argue that it's actually more than a metaphor. And here's why. Because I, I hear people say, well, I can get them out of my life. So, I mean, it is a metaphor. I can get them out of my life. Okay, fair enough. So here's why I think it's more than a metaphor. I want you to think of somebody that was in your life that you got out of your life. And I want you to think about why 
And if you're listening to this or watching this, I want you to do the same. I want you to think of someone you got out of your life and why you wanted them out, what they did to you. Maybe they were toxic or angry or difficult. And I want you to think about why you got them out. Now, I'm not going to make you tell me who that is. <laughs> you can keep that to yourself. But do you have them in mind? Yep. I want you to think about something they did to you specifically that made you say, that's it. I, this person's got to be out of my life. You got that in mind? Mm -hmm. All right. If you're listening or watching this, I want you to do the same. Now, here's the thing. If they're still in your head, they're still in your room. And they will be there for the rest of your life. Because the room is your mind. It begins on one temple and ends on the other temple of your head. They're in your head. And if they're in your head, they'll be there forever. You will make decisions in the future based on experiences that you had in the past. I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, the neuroscientist and psychiatrist, and he said, you know, when you have relationships, personal, professional relationships with people, their fingerprints are all over your brain. And so uh, you may get them out of your life, but they're still in your head. And so it's really important that you be more selective about who you let in your head, who you let in your mind or your room. And that when you're more selective about that, then you are much more likely to create the, to curate the life that you want. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. So would you like me to talk a little bit about how, how that process begins? I'd love to. And, you know, in the neuro part of my world is smiling because I, you know, there are neurobiological underpinnings, as I'm sure Dr. Amon said, to everything you just talked about. So yeah. this is so good. So keep, let, let's keep rolling with this. This is great. So what you need to do to begin with is hire a doorman. Okay, I don't mean really hire a doorman. The doorman is your conscious and subconscious mind. And you can call it whatever you want. You can call it your guardian, your bouncer, your door person, if you want. It's whatever. But you hire, we called it the doorman. And the doorman is your conscious and subconscious mind that screens people out. Otherwise, your room is a revolving door. You're just letting people in without thinking about it. You need to think about it. Now, what do you think about? You've got to think about your values. You really have to get good with your values. If you don't get good with your values, then you don't know who to screen or who not to screen. What are the things that are most important in your life? And if you don't know, and if, when I ask people, and I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to ask you this either, but when I ask people, give me your top seven values, it's like deer in the headlights. They're like, um, seven? Yeah. Um, honesty. Great. Six more. They have no idea. Well, if you don't know your values, you don't know who to let into your life. So you got to get good with your values. And the best way to start is to start with deal breakers. 
What are your deal breakers? What is something in your life you just will not tolerate? So Dr. Richard, I'm gonna ask you this one. Give me one deal breaker in your life that you say, you know what? I'm not good with that behavior. You don't get to come into my room. What's one deal breaker for you? This perpetual focus on negativity. Yeah, negativity. Absolutely. That's a great one. Uh, negativity. So if you're listening to this, I want you to think about your deal breakers because what happens is when you start with your deal breakers, it's then easier to move into your values. And by the way, there's a lot in the book, we have a little instrument that you can use, but there are uh, plenty of things online where you can figure out what your values are. Then you train your doorman to look for the deal breakers and the values. My late wife and I had a deal breaker in terms of going out with other couples. We actually had a deal, a couple's deal breaker. And the couple's deal breaker was that that other couple, generally speaking, had to treat each other with love and respect. And if they didn't treat each other with love and respect, that was not a couple we wanted to spend time with. And that worked really well for us. And it really, that deal breaker helped us figure out our values in terms of working with other people. Now, other people's values don't have to be the same as yours. As a matter of fact, it's good to have people who have different values, but they can't be dissonant. They can't be like fingernails on a chalkboard. They can't be completely incongruent with yours. So they don't have to be the same, but they can't be dissonant with your values. So once you have that, you train your doorman, your doorman screens people. Then you got to assess the people that are in your room. You got to look at them and say, you know, should I have let this people person in my room? And if the answer is no, then you got to figure out how to start managing those people in your room. And that's a tough one. That's probably one of the toughest parts of the book is how do you deal with the people that are actually in your room that you should have never let in? Or how do you deal with family members that you had no choice over? That's the big part of the book. So I want to spend some time there because I'm sure that's what's popping into people's head. It's one thing to get rid of a toxic relationship who is maybe a client or a strategic partner, or even a, a friend that you've had for a long time. And just as you've grown, they've stayed the same or they've grown in a, an unhealthy way that isn't good for you. But what about family? Yeah, family's you, a tough one. How, how do you have your room, your room guardian deal with family? So the way to deal with it is two parts similar. One is they may be in your room, but their baggage has to stay out. And you do that by drawing a line in the sand. And here's a great, now this is not in the book. This was given to me when somebody read my book. They told me this story. It will be in the second edition. <laughs> she said, we have a family member. We have a big family. We like to do family events. We get the whole family together. And this one family member, this is the way she described it. At a family event, we consistently throw a grenade, metaphorically throw a, a verbal grenade into the room and it would create chaos and people would be yelling and screaming and so mad. And, and she did that over and over again. And the family met after she read my book, the family met and made a decision. And they all met without her. And they said, at the next family event, when she throws the grenade in the room, like she will, everyone just look at her and nod and go, oh, Okay, and then go back to whatever you're talking about. Do not engage. And so the first time she did that, sure enough, first time, threw the grenade in. And everyone on cue was like, huh? Okay, and they went right back to their conversation. 
And she just stood there shocked because nobody interacted with that. And what was really funny was that she did it one more time, but after two times, she either didn't come to the events anymore, or when she did, she didn't throw the grenades because she didn't get the reaction. Who knows? I don't get it. I'm not a psychologist. I, I, my background's in organizational behavior, but not psychology. I don't get it. But some people thrive on creating chaos in the room. And when she was unable to create the chaos, it went away. And that's how you deal with, you know, they may be in your room, but their baggage has to stay out. That's great. We could probably do a whole episode, uh, you know, on behavioral reinforcements and modifications, because that's what we're really talking about. You're, yep. you know, the stimulus and response and, and all that exciting stuff. So I love that. I, I love that because, again, it, there are people, particularly a lot of a lot of people listening to the show are entrepreneurs and so many of the people we turn to from for support from get-go are our friends and families. And it's one yeah. thing for a stranger to say, hey, you know what, Ivan, that's a stupid idea. You're never going to be able to get 10,000 <laughs> different groups of this. But it's another thing when it's a brother or an aunt or something yeah. like that. So to be able to set those boundaries and the way that you described it is so simple, I think that's extraordinarily valuable. It is. And I think, you know, I like to now view people as either engines or anchors. They're either an engine driving you forward, helping you be a better version of yourself, or they're an anchor pulling you down because they don't think you're enough. They don't think you're capable. They don't, they don't want your, they're jealous or whatever the reasons they're trying to bring you down. The only thing worse is an anchor with an engine attached. Because it's taking <laughs> you right down quickly. And so, you know, I think your doorman needs to look at the people around you and say, is this an engine or is this an anchor? Is this person behaving like an engine or is this person behaving like an anchor? And you want more engines in your life and less anchors. So let's say we've trained our doorman. Yeah. And we're being really specific about who's coming in our room if we've got some of these grenade lobbing family members, we have conditioned them to leave their weapons at the door. Yeah. The next step is getting more engines in the room, getting more engines in our lives. Yeah. How do we go about doing that? Well, I think it, it, it comes, it's about the doorman screening and letting in the right people. And then the question is, what kind of life do you want to live when you're doing that? And so we talk about the secret to balance. So would you like to hear what I believe is the secret to balance, you know, work-life balance? Absolutely. All right, here it is. Forget about balance. You'll never have it. Now, when I say that to people, they're like, oh, really? I mean, I thought I was going to get something good. Okay, you're going to get something good. I think we look at it wrong. We look at balance like our business has to be in balance with our personal life, which has to be in balance with our health and our spirituality, and it's got to all be balanced. Well, the truth is life, especially for entrepreneurs, is more of a, a juggling act than a balancing act. And so I, I don't believe that you can create balance, but I do believe that you can create a life of harmony. And harmony is different than balance. It's more than semantics. You look at the graphic, for harmony, the yin and the yang, even 
The yin and the yang are out of balance if you separate them. But together, they create harmony. And so one of the last parts of the book is talking about how do you create a life of harmony? And look, I've lived a, a life that's out of balance. I have 2.3 million miles on one airline. I traveled extensively. And I remember when my son was 17, he's 28 now, about to turn 28. I said to him, we were playing Halo, and he's kicking my butt on Halo. Big screen TV, we're playing Halo. And I said, hey, buddy, was, was I around enough for you when you were growing up? And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, you're like around all the time. I'm like, well, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm actually gone about every other week, you know, for at least a few days. He said, yeah, yeah, I noticed. He said, I don't know, but it's like when you're here, you're here. You know, can we get back to the game now? I'm like, yes, we can. Which brings us to the first lesson of harmony. Three simple words, be here now. Wherever you are, be there. Don't be at home thinking about the project at work. Don't be at work thinking about the fact that you didn't spend time with the family. Be here now. It, nobody's perfect at it, but the better you get at it, the better you create a life of harmony. Create margins in your life, like margins. Uh, this is another one, margins in a, in a book where you have space to be yourself, to do things that you want to do. Uh, you have to have margins in life. And for me, I've always had mental health days. One day a week is my mental health day. I swim in the pool, sit in the hot tub, watch a movie, read a book. I do stuff. I don't go anywhere. I may go out on my boat with the family or something, but I don't you know, get in my car. I don't drive anywhere. I don't do meetings. I, you know, stay away from email. And I, that's my mental health day. And, and that's a margin. And, and I talk about six or seven different things that create a life of harmony versus balance. And when I tell audiences this, it's freeing for them because they're, they're like, oh my God, you're right. My life is out of balance, but I can create a life of harmony. You want one more? I'll give you one more. If you yeah, want. absolutely. This is great stuff. You have to learn to both let go and hang on, which sounds contradictory, but it's all based on values. What are your values? Are you doing things that are not completely in alignment with your values? When you're not, those are the things you let go of immediately. Let go. What do you hold on to? You hold on to everything that is congruent with your values and you hold on to those for dear life. Contrary to popular belief and contrary to what people say in self-help seminars, you cannot have it all. I do not believe you can have it all. I think you have to have discernment. You have to pick and choose. And so if you're gonna pick and choose, pick and choose based on your values. And you pick those values that are important to you and you hang on to those for dear life and you let go of those things that are not important to you. And when you do those three, plus about three or four other things, you can really truly create a life of harmony. My life has been out of balance, but my life is full of harmony. So beautifully said. Ivan, as you look back on what you've built with BNI and, and all of the books and all of the people's lives you touched through speaking and, and other mediums where you've connected with them, 
What do you want your legacy to be? Well, this is such a great question. And I think the short answer is really simple. Your life is your legacy. How you lived your life is your legacy. There's a, I'll give you a variation of a quote by Jean-Paul Sartre, which I really like. We all die too soon or too late. And yet our life is complete at that moment with a line drawn neatly under it, ready for the summing up. We are our deeds in life and little more. And that's what I believe. I believe we're our deeds in life. We're the sum total of what we've done, what we've contributed, how we've helped people. You know, we all have people in our story. Mr. Romero is in my story. I talk about him with some regularity and other people. But the real question in life is not who's in our story. The real question is whose story are we in? Whose life have we changed so that we're in their story? We've done something to help them and they talk about us and how you know, we may have supported them in some way. And so I think legacy is about whose story are you in? Whose lives have you changed? And I'd like to think that I've changed a few lives. I love this. <laughs> this is such a great dialogue. Yeah, speaking of changing lives, I wanted to, for you to take a moment and share with us about the work that the BNI Foundation is doing, because I think it's important to highlight that. Yeah, so my, my late wife and I started the BNI Foundation in 1998. It is focused on children and education. And there are so many, you know, good causes in the world. We chose to focus on children and education. And, and here's why. Children represent 20% of our population, but they are 100% of our future. And we feel that education is the great equalizer in the world. That People in any standing, if they have a good education, can rise above uh, their past and they can become something uh, greater than their history, than their experience in the past. And so children in education are our focus. Um, we have given millions and millions of dollars to ch children's programs. But I think one of the most amazing programs of the BNI Foundation was started by, by my, my late wife called Business Voices. And Business Voices is not about giving money. Business Voices is about giving time. And so what we've done with BNI chapters is they support schools, they support educational programs with time. Uh, for example, vocation days where businesses from BNI come into a school and they talk about various businesses or speed mentoring. You know, where we've done speed mentoring, where we've gone into a, pro, an, a young entrepreneurs program, and you have like 30 or 40 BNI people all in different professions. And then you get like 30 or 50 kids, and you go through and do a speed mentoring where they ask questions of what's it take to be successful? How do you scale a business? What's the most important thing to know? And they talk to 30 different people in like two hours. And they walk out of there, their mind is just blown and they're excited about what's possible in being an entrepreneur. So to me, these, that, that's the BNI Foundation is all about supporting young people to be the best that they possibly can be. Thanks for asking about that. And by the way, bnifoundation.com 
is the website, bnifoundation.com. Awesome. I'm so grateful that you shared that because that's that's phenomenal. And we will link to that in the show notes so people can find that as well. Ivan, this time has flown by and I have truly loved every moment of our conversation. As you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guest a single question, and that is, what is your biggest helping? The one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? So I think, you know, given COVID and the challenges that we've had in the last year, I think it's really important for people to understand their network, their personal network is a beacon of hope in a sea of fear. It is where you go to for support. The people in your network are the people that you go to for help, for guidance, for emotional support, for referrals, obviously, in BNI, but for so much more. And people either get frozen by fear or focused by fear. And I think your network helps you get focused by the fear that is out there. Your network is a beacon of hope in a sea of fear. So well said. Ivan, where can people learn more about you and everything you're up to online? Well, thanks for asking that. Uh, BNI.com is the company website. And if your listeners want a lot of content, I've been blogging since 2007, twice a week since 2007. It's all free content at Ivan Meisner. M-I-S-N-E-R, IvanMeisner.com, all free stuff. Awesome. And like I said, we'll have links to everything Ivan Meisner, including the BNI Foundation. So check that out. Ivan, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. I loved our conversation today. Thank you, Dr. Richard. I appreciate you having me over. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who chose to listen to this. If you like what you heard, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because this is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 